So this is it. What's up, everybody? Greddy Show on Dirt, live from the Sweet Bee Studios. Game 6 of the 2019 World Series is on right now. I've been watching it. I haven't missed a moment. Phone in hand. I'm scrolling through Twitter. We're doing this thing. Right now, it's the bottom of the fifth inning. Steven Strasburg, 59 pitches. He gave up two runs in the first, and Washington got one run in the first, right? So it's Justin Verlander and Steven Strasburg, right? So I'm watching the game, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to take myself a break. Because I went to Harris Teeter the other day, and I got, they had Christmas Oreos out. And I said, whoa, because the Oreos with the red filling, I don't care what you say, they taste different than the ones in the white filling. I had two boxes of Halloween Oreos, and I ate them. And I couldn't find any Halloween Oreos anywhere. But then I saw the holiday Oreos, the Christmas Oreos, and I said, give it to me, man. I got to have them. So as I'm watching the game and it's, you know, getting into the fifth inning, I'm like, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to give me some Christmas Oreos and some whole milk because skim milk's a lie. That's what Ron Swanson said, my friends. So I go upstairs. I'm stuffing some cookies in my face. I'm hanging out with my dog. I get back to the TV and all of a sudden it's three to two Washington Nationals because in the fifth inning, Adam Eaton and Juan Soto both tagged home runs off Justin Verlander. Man, this is super impressive right now. Like I said, I'm not recording this post game. I'm in the bottom of the fifth inning right now. Strasburg's given up two runs, just got his fourth strikeout. And I'm telling you, like, this, if this, I hope that this series goes past tonight. Well, I'll tell you this. The fact of the matter is, I'm not surprised in game five that the Nationals were not able to hit Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole is probably the best pitcher in all of baseball right now. He's going to make a pretty good amount of money next year, and I believe possibly that the Houston Astros could make a play and bring Garrett Cole back. They got the money for it, especially if they win the World Series. You might see Garrett Cole back with the Houston Astros, right? But if Garrett Cole doesn't go to the Houston Astros, a lot of folks think he's going to go out west, which it would be stellar if Garrett Cole found himself with the Los Angeles Angels, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, two of the best players in all of baseball, Mike Trout being the best in all of baseball, Coach Joe Madden, you gotta love him, one of the best managers in all of baseball, definitely one of the few game-changing managers available in Major League Baseball. For Garrett Cole to go out there, I don't know if it's gonna happen or not, who knows, but a lot of folks think he could play out west, that's neither here nor there, but the impressiveness, my friends, of the Washington Nationals to pop Justin Verlander, who's a really good pitcher, but he's not Garrett Cole, but he's really good, is amazing right now. And that's sort of what you see with this Washington Nationals team is, you know, the past three games, they've only got one run per game. So looking at this game six right now, you look at it and it's like, well, the law of averages has got to tell us they'll score more than one run, hopefully in this game. But this is a team that continues to fight. This is a team that they're really good at hitting the ball. They don't live and die by the home run. They put guys on base. Turner and Eaton as the one-two hitters, each of those guys have scored a run tonight. No shock there. And it's going to be dangerous because if Houston wants to win this World Series, they need to do it tonight and they need to do it right now because Game 7 is going to be Mad Max Strasburg, who I think would eat an individual if he had to. I've always said if there's a zombie apocalypse, I want Max Scherzer on my side. I think he would be immune to the zombie gene because he's such a strong mind. He's sort of like Vegeta on Dragon Ball Z where he goes Majin Vegeta and he basically possesses himself so he can try to beat Goku. But if there are no anime nerds on the podcast, I get it. No harm, no foul. Totally understandable. Game 7. I want to see this Game 7 so bad because I want to see Max Scherzer pitch in a Game 7. But right now, Steven Strasburg just gave up a hit to... 
Josh Reddick? I think, yeah, Josh Reddick, J.J. Reddick's the basketball player. Josh Reddick's the baseball player. That's what it is. I don't know what else I can say about this game, man. Um, Wow, dude. Strasburg's pitching good. You know, if it holds up, we'll see where it's at. Right now, I think George Springer's back up in the lineup. George Springer, bro, no matter what happens with this World Series, he's played... Let me think about this now. This is game seven. He's played... This is his George Springer tonight. Game six is his 13th World Series game. He's hit seven home runs, has like a 1,200 OPS, and is batting like 390. George Springer is, he, out of leadoff hitters all time in the World Series, he's got like the most home runs, the most hits, the most RBIs, highest batting average. Like, he's an all, I don't know if all that's accurate, but I know he's, listen, bro, I was eating Oreo cookies, dude. Fox Sports put something. Fox is the channel that the World Series is on. They put something across the screen that said he was the best leadoff hitter at something. I, I think I think it was maybe hits. I don't recall. <laughs> but it, put it this way, bro. When it comes to leadoff hitters in the history of the World Series, that includes like Ricky Henderson, right, who's played in a few World Series with the Oakland Athletics dude, George Springer, is right up there, bro. He is a top dog. Alex Bredman's pop, Bredman has popped two home runs this World Series, and they both look really good, bro. Tonight, he took his baseball bat, and he carried it with him to first base, just like Bartolo Colon does. <laughs> My guy, man. I loved it, dude. When Bregman hits a home run, man, it looks impressive because he's got unwavering confidence, right? I like the kid Alex Bregman. I think he should get MVP votes. I don't think he should be Mike Trout, but I think he should get MVP votes. But I'll tell you this right now. I do 110% think Anthony Rendon should be the National League MVP. And obviously, we can't talk about that he's made it all the way to the World Series because when you're giving most valuable player votes, it's regular season awards only. But I still like Anthony Rendon for... The award, man. I love it. You got to have it. What else do we got on the series here? Let's do some digging. What I'm watching, what I'm watching right now. Do you want to know when you record a podcast? It just gets hard to talk as soon as the recording goes on. But so bottom of the fifth right now, Strasburg is pitching to George Springer. Steven Strasburg even... So in tonight's game, he gave up two earned runs in the first inning. And then when he pitched game two, he did the same thing. But he's been able to calm down in both of those starts and not let the early inning runs affect him. And that's sort of what we've seen with Steven Strasburg all this season. And now that he's been healthy and has got past a lot of his previous injuries, Steven Strasburg is a gutty pitcher. He is ice water in his veins, cool, calm, and collected. It looks like he just gave up a double to George Springer. So, Steven Strasburg is pitching right now with runners on second and third and one out. So, if he's really as cool, calm, and collected as I just said, he should get out of this jam. We'll see. But he's been a phenomenal pitcher. You know, the Nationals don't get to this point without Steven Strasburg because, you know, Max Scherzer's had some injuries. Patrick Corbin. Patrick Corbin has been shaky. He was shaky in the start he had this series. I think he went... Five innings and gave up four earned runs or something. It wasn't good enough because the bullpen had to come in that game. And that was when Fernando Rodney gave up a grand slam. And I knew it, bro. Alex Bregman hit a grand slam on Fernando Rodney in game four. And (laughs) Alex Bregman comes to the plate. I'm looking at Fernando Rodney. He's like, he's 42 years old, man. I'm guessing he probably had heartburn while he was on the mound. (laughs) 
And I, t- I looked at my wife and I said, I feel like he's going to hit a grand slam right now. I said, I feel like Alex Bregman's going to hit a grand slam. I'm not Nostradamus, but I'm also not a liar. This happened. The very next pitch, Alex Bregman blasted it over the fence. And I was just like, why did Dave Martinez do that? Man, and Dave Martinez always has a look on his face like he's got a sour warhead in his mouth. <laughs> he's just sort of like, uh, In the game right now, we've got, so Strasburg's facing Altuve, man. And this, holy crap, this Houston Astros lineup is relentless. It's, it's amazing that the Nationals even got two wins off of this team because you deal with Springer at the top of the lineup, who well, I just told you what a lot of his World Series numbers are. They're obnoxious and they're not fair. Did you ever play Nintendo with like a Game Genie or like inner cheat codes for Grand Theft Auto and you just got all the ammunition in the world so you're just shooting hookers and all, every everybody you can get? Anybody you see is getting a bullet, bro, right? That's like what it is with the Astros lineup. Like with George Springer, number one, it's like if you're a pitcher, you want to just sort of be like, well, if I can get past Springer, we'll be good. But then you got Altuve, so you're sort of just like, ah, shoot, man. And then I know that Alex Bregman's batting fourth. I totally forgot who's batting third for the Houston Astros right now. Let's look right now. Mm, Michael Brantley, who's batting 364 in the postseason. So then you have to deal with him third. And that's just sort of like, well, if I can get past Brantley. But then you got to deal with Bregman. So initially, your first four Houston Astros, they're all all-stars. Yuli Gurriel, he can be an all-star. Jordan Alvarez, don't get me started with that guy blasting home runs. Then you got Carlos Correa, bro. Carlos Correa is batting damn seventh for the Houston Astros. No wonder why this team, you know the Astros have won, including 2019, right? This was their third season in a row. Holy shit. Strasburg just struck out Jose Antuve on like four pitches. Didn't even throw him a ball. 0-2 count, threw one in the dirt, done. So the Astros have won over 100 games for three seasons in a row, and they're only one of six teams to ever do that. I can't name any of the other ones because this isn't a fancy podcast. This isn't Fangraphs, and I've got a Mac in front of me that's from 2013. Yeah, it's got a dent in the corner of it. So this isn't a fancy operation over here, bro. I'm going to I'm gonna end recording this podcast, and I'm going to go outside, and I'm going to let my dog pee in the front yard, and then I as well am going to pee in the front yard, and then I'm going to go to bed. Right, we're just normal people over here. I'm just doing crazy stuff watching baseball, man. I'm just like you guys, but except I pee in the front yard with my dog. Get over it. Okay, so I did tell you, though, again, Game 6 of the World Series, I did tell you Strasburg had second and third and one out. He just struck out Altuve. He's got Michael Brantley on a 1-1 pitch. While we're on the topic of pitching, it turns out the baseball's a little different this time of year. And the baseball's different. You've probably heard the news, but I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. So if you listen to this podcast, you know you get the greatest and best information about it. And I did tell you that the Nationals and the Cardinals were both changing their game plan because the baseball was traveling a little differently, meaning it wasn't traveling as far. And it looks like Steven Strasburg just got out of that second and third one-out jam against George Springer, Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley. No, no. Well, it was two on and one out, so he had to get past Jose Altuve and Michael Brantley, two well over 300 hitters who are all-stars. Super impressive by Strasburg. This game, man, if it goes to a game seven, I cannot wait. Corbin was in the bullpen, but I think they'll probably leave Corbin in the bullpen. If if this goes game seven, Scherzer's going to have extra rest, dude. Scherzer's crazy. 
is nuts, man. Scherzer's so crazy, I wouldn't let him babysit my baby that's on the way, even though he's probably good for it. But back to the topic of the baseball, man, hardcore evidence. My brother sends me a text message the other day, and I think this was in game two. George Springer hit a baseball really hard. George Springer hit a baseball at 102.5 exit velocity with a 31-degree launch angle. Now, for you mathematicians out there, I know what you're thinking. Based on league averages during the regular season, that ball should fly 394 feet. Guess what? You are correct. But during the postseason, that ball only flew 377 feet. The balls aren't flying as far during the postseason. Now, this is a little sketch, right? I've talked about baseballs in the past. The baseballs changed quite a bit. And it turns out that all of a sudden, the baseballs are just completely different in the postseason. Now, there's a gentleman who's done some research on the baseballs. If you give me a second, I'll get his name. Here it is, a gentleman by the name of Rob Arthur for Baseball Prospectus. He said that the balls are a lot different. And um, Rob Manfred Rob Manfred has been asked about the baseballs in the postseason. And Rob's like, listen, bro, the baseballs we use in the postseason, we got them out of the same bucket of the baseballs that we use in the regular season. So we got some regular season balls. We put some World Series stamps on them, and we're good. Right? That's what it is. OBT oh, dub, six inning. Justin Verlander is out of the game. Verlander only went five innings in game six of the World Series. A lot of folks are saying that Justin Verlander doesn't have the clutch gene because he's 0-5 in World Series games. So he might have a little bit of Clayton Kershaw on him after all, and we might see a game seven. Needless to say, Robbie Arthur sort of just like, dude, I'm looking at the numbers right now, and the balls aren't flying as far, right? You, listener, just heard the stat that I read about George Springer's baseball in Game 2 of the World Series, right? And Rob Arthur is sort of like, listen, man, the probability that a random selection of games from the rest of the regular season would feature as much air resistance as we've seen from these baseballs in the postseason, the chances of that are 1 in 1,000. So Rob Arthur is telling you these postseason balls ain't going as far. And the chances that we would see this sharp decline, I don't care what the weather is or how hot or cold is outside, the Astros play inside. It literally does not matter because they freaking play inside, you understand? And it's like 1 in 1,000. So Rob Arthur's like, yo, that's bullshit. Like, these balls are different, bro. There are pitchers, there are pitchers in Major League Baseball right now that are sort of just like many pitchers have found the ball. Um, wait, hold on. What am I reading here? MLB found last year that the main factor in the rising home runs. Okay, home runs are up because there's less drag on the baseball. I've talked all that about. But pitchers are complaining that their trademark pitches aren't moving the same. And there's no doubt that that could be happening in the postseason, man. My brother sends me text messages as well all day long about baseball. He keeps me in the loop while I'm at work acting like I'm working. And my brother brought up a pretty good point the other day because he says, listen, man, look at this postseason right now. You got pitchers that did really good in the postseason. But, for example, games one and two of this World Series, Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander took the loss. Garrett Cole took the loss in game one, Verlander in game two. You know how many times that those guys have been beat back-to-back -back all season? The answer would be never. It never happened all season. But all of a sudden it happened now. Jack Flaherty, Cardinal stud all of a sudden was getting hit in the postseason. Folks was like, whoa, Jack Flaherty had a .6 ERA since, like, past the All-Star break, and all of a sudden, like, he was getting hit. Yo, Scherzer got hit. Strasburg has been hit a little bit. 
Patrick Corbin's getting hit. His slider might be looking a little different. Patrick Corbin looks like garbage. He looks like a fifth starter. He doesn't. I don't. I wouldn't say garbage or hot trash per se, but he. You know, it's a little bit of water trash. <laughs> you know, it, it's not great, man. Charlie Morton. I don't think Charlie Morton was himself. There are a lot of pitchers that haven't been themselves, man. So you you wonder, like, bro, what's his ball doing? And here's the thing about it, man. I did some reading on the internet, and there's. I've debated, and I've thought a lot in my head on, like, am, am I mad that the baseball's different, you know? Because I, I love home runs just as much as anyone else, man. When someone hits a big towering bomb and I shotgun a beer in all of its glory to celebrate, and usually that home runs off a Cubs pitcher as they lose, which I don't really care because win or lose we booze. You ever hear to that motto, champ? I, I love a home run, but I love small ball more than anything, right? But where I get irritated about the ball being all over the place is if there's a lack of consistency and pitchers don't have any consistency with how the ball's going to act when they throw it, fielders don't have any sort of consistency about like how far that ball's going to fly, infielders, outfielders, hitters, pitchers, it affects everybody. And honestly, that ball changing, I think, affects hitters too, because I've heard hitters talk about having to hit at Coors Field and being like, oh, it's great to hit at Coors, bro, because the ball just flies a country mile every time you hit it. But then getting out of Coors Field, you have to like figure out how that ball moves. So it's like an extra handicap to the point where you wonder, like, listen, is the ball flying out of the park at Coors? We know it is. But do folks have a batting average that low? Outside of Coors Fields, right? Like if you have a Colorado Rocky like DJ LeMahieu, his batting average from Coors Field, you look at it the year he hit the batting title and you're like, well, yeah, thank God he played at Coors because he wouldn't have won the batting title. Is it because Coors spikes a guy's stats so high? Or is it because when you leave Coors Field, the ball moves so damn crazy, you can't get a read on him because you're not used to it, right? Because DJ LeMayu just had a pretty damn good season in New York and will get MVP votes, right? And so I do think the ball changing can affect everyone all over the board. And I think we do need consistency with the ball. Now, I do believe, bro, there were guys this year like checking their swings and putting balls over the fence. And it looked damn weird, man. It looked wild, dude. Consistency's got to happen in the ball, man. And what it turns out is, you know, there are, you know, Major League Baseball bought Rawlings, I believe, in 2018. And... You know, baseball, Rob Manfred will always tell you, he'll be like, listen, bro, these balls, they're within the standards of Major League Baseball standards. Like, these balls are good. But there were a guy, there's a guy named, like, I think his name was, like, Lloyd Smith and Alan Nathan. These are guys that looked at the baseballs and a couple other guys for, like, the Ringer and 538. Do all these studies on the baseball and what a lot of these guys noticed. I think it was some cats from 538. They were like, dude, the acceptable standards that Rob Manfred is referring to when Rawlings builds these baseballs, within those acceptable standards, a baseball could fly like 40 feet further within the acceptable standards. So the acceptable standards in and of themselves are completely wide. But these baseballs are hand-sewn in Costa Rica, man. It is old-world method. And one of the main questions is, does Major League Baseball really want to change how these baseballs are manufactured? Because right now they are by hand, and they're not done by machine, right? So they're probably costly to make up, and there could be a lot of human errors in them. I don't know about you, but I make a ton of mistakes at work, <laughs> right? Like, especially when I'm on, like, my fifth coffee, 
and I've turned into Cornholio, and I'm just running around the office just like, I am Cornholio. I need Tippy for my bunghole. You know what I mean? Like, serious Cornholio stuff, dude. And, God, I sort of almost forgot where I was going with that, dude. But um, it happened in the golf industry a few years ago where golf balls all of a sudden were made differently, and they were sort of made with, like, more of an automated process with more synthetic compounds. And that enabled the ball to be very consistent. So you don't have this problem. So hopefully we see a little more consistency within the baseballs, right? Big time stuff. Um, gosh, what else do I got on the docket, man? Uh, let's, oh, dude, check this out. I read, I mean, I read this article. So apparently, like, I think it was like game three or something like that. There was a big missed call, like a blown call. And, oh, shoot, there was a blown call in game five. And it was something about Ryan Zimmer. Oh, shoot, what was it? Oh, Victor Robles. Okay, so in game five, so this was the Garrett Cole game. This is Garrett Cole game we just watched two days ago. Victor Robles got punched out on strikes for a ball that was off the plate. Right? Happens all the time, right? How many times has your favorite team been struck out on a ball that was off the plate? Probably a million. You know what happens. But also, teams benefit from crappy umps, you know, <laughs> too, because it just happens, man. Umps are pretty crappy towards pretty much every team, right? And I just wonder, like, you know, every four or five years, I go to the DMV. I get an eye test, right? The eye test takes, like, 30 seconds. It's Major League Baseball. Are they not testing the eyeballs of these people? Like, during the last solar eclipse, did they just look up at the sun with no protectors like Donald Trump, and now they can't see anything? These folks are blind as a bat. I talked to a buddy at work the other day who's called, like, junior high and high school games, and he's like, bro, you can look over the plate. Like, it's not that hard to call a strike. Did you ever think – you hear guys talk about pitch framing, Right. And it's like, yeah, if you're a catcher and you're a really good pitch framer, that makes you valuable and it makes your war go up. But how dumb do umpires have to be to fall for pitch framing? Listen, bro, when I was 16, I got super drunk off Keystone Light. Drink like 18 of them, bro. Because I didn't understand how much beer one needed to drink to get drunk. I just knew how many beers I had, and I had to finish them, right? No beer left behind. And I threw up for like two days, super hungover. And I told my mom, my mom's like, what's wrong? And I said, I think I got food poisoning from Taco Bell. And she was like, okay. She believed me. I got hammered drunk, 16 years old on a Saturday night. I come home Sunday morning. I'm like, oh, I ate Taco Bell last night. And I'm throwing up for like 15 hours, bro. That doesn't happen with Taco Bell. But she bought the lie nonetheless, right? And I feel like <laughs> she did, bro. I was so hammered drunk. The only thing I remember is peeing in a Hardy's parking lot, like just in a big, wide open Hardy's parking lot. Hands down, everyone small, saw my small peppy. It was definitely embarrassing. It's probably why I never got a girlfriend in high school, nonetheless. And we were driving too, bro. I don't know how I'm alive right now, but needs to say when you're 16, you're stupid. So, oh, anyway, that. So I feel like that's sort of what it's like with, um umpires like falling for frame pitches from catchers like bro are you stupid like do you not have eyeballs like like what's happening right now like do you not you need carrots do you have scurvy did you spend the off season on a pirate ship why can't you see anything it's completely bonkers so these folks are calling out like robot umps man and it's like people are writing about it on the internet they say that we need robot umpires 
And I, I, I think at this point I'm on board with it as <laughs> because, listen, as everything gets so scientifically driven and we have better technology – because I, I think this past season, I talked about, like, not having robot umps, right? I love the human element to the game. So I'm like, listen, like, I like the way shitty umpiring spices up the game. I love to yell at the TV. I can sit and complain all day about the strike zone and say that I hate it, this and that and the other. But if you give me a robot ump and you give me instant replay then what am I going to argue about on the television? Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do when my player strikes out looking on a pitch that's down the middle? I have nothing to live for then. But, like, when my guy's, like, called out on a strike that's off the plate, I'm going to be like, yeah, it's not his fault. He's a bum. But otherwise, like, I literally just don't have anyone to be mad at but myself for being a Cubs fan. But I guess you have to have the consistency, right? The technology's there. We know it's – we know – how bad umpires are. Nothing makes me more angry than people driving in the left lane, stale glazed donuts. <laughs> I fucking hate a stale glazed donut. I mean, I'll eat them, but if you bring home glazed donuts and you don't cover the box up, I'm going to punch you in the face. And uh, the box on the television that shows me the strike zone, because I can literally see every time the ump messes up. And I'm like, what are you doing, guy? Do you not see what I see on the television? So I, I guess I guess do the robot umps, right? And I feel like I honestly having robot umpires is gonna open up a whole nother trunk load of shit. <laughs> because like apparently so they have like robot umps in the Atlantic League, right? And apparently like some of the robot umps call ball strikes that like end up a foot in front of the dirt and then bounce back up into the zone. And that makes me so happy because I could see a strike getting called next season on like someone's like on like a Jordan Hicks 105 mile an hour pitch in the dirt that like bounces up and goes in the strike zone. And the umps just sort of like, yeah, don't know what to tell you, guy. Or or because I think there's always going to be the ability for the umpire to like override the strike call and just sort of be like, this was obviously a ball, even though you called it a strike. So I could definitely see like an umpire having beef with a player and it being like an obvious ball and then just like clicking strike and the player just being like, what the hell, bro? And I'm just being like, if you want to argue with me, I'll kick you out now. Cause that happens, man. Like that's one of the other things It's like, you, if you argue balls and strikes, you immediately get kicked out of the game, and I don't think that's right. I think folks should be able to just yell until they turn red in the face and blow like a blood vessel in their eye, right? When was the last time we saw a manager rip up a base and throw it, right? Like Joe Girardi, <laughs> Joe Girardi, dude, he's one of the shit. Joe Girardi might be the only old school manager we've got left in baseball. The Phillies just hired Joe Girardi, bruh, and Right, the Phillies have underperformed the last two years. They've had like okay first halves of the season. And then when the second half comes, it's like they just drank like a few pints of Malort and they just like lose their mind, bro. They're just like they have muscular dystrophy and can't see a baseball. You know, they're not eating their carrots and might have scurvy. I don't really know. And truth be told, I would love to see Joe Girardi just game one of the season, bro, at home. Whenever their first home game is for the Phillies, I want Joe Girardi just to sit in the dugout, and I want him to look and just nitpick something, and if there's a borderline pitch 
that his player gets punched out on, I want him to automatically come out of the dugout, get straight in the ump's face, throw his Phillies hat down, stick his chest out, and just start yelling at him really fast while he's moving his head really fast, like Stone Cold Steve Austin going after Vince McMahon. And then I want him to trot down to first base, rip the bag out of the ground, throw it in the outfield. Actually, if you want to, give it to a fan in the stands. Give it to a kid. Autograph it. Give it to a kid and get kicked out just like that. Because I truly believe a good manager should get ejected once a month. Every baseball manager to fire up the troops needs to be ejected out of a baseball game at least once a month. At least once a month. So in a season, that would be... See, the season starts basically end of March, so April. April, May, June, July, August, September, October. That would be seven times a year, right? And also, like, the the silver lining in that whole mix is we would actually have another record to chase because Bobby Cox has been ejected more times out of any game than anyone that ever lived in the history of baseball. I would like to see someone chase that record. If no one can break Barry Bonds' home run record, Someone break Bobby Cox's strike out, uh, ejected record. Steven Strasburg just completed the sixth inning of game six. Nationals three, Astros two. Stellar game right now. I thought about, if you guys are listening to this, and the Astros have already won, that's going to sort of kind of suck. But I'll do coverage of that too, man. I would like to talk about, um, I'd like to do like a season recap and then maybe talk about what's going on next season. But otherwise, I think I'm going to end the rant right now. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Anything else I want to cover? You know what? Um, That's it. I'll call it out now. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Here, let me give you a shout-out to my social media networks. Hold on. You can find me on Facebook at Greatest on Dirt. You can find me on Instagram at... Greatest Show on Dirt, so Facebook's Greatest on Dirt. Instagram is Greatest Show on Dirt. And my Twitter is Greatest on Dirt is my Twitter. You would think I would have these social media handles memorized, but I might be a millennial, but I'm also 36 years old and was born in 1983, so most of my life was analog, right? Did I talk to girls on MSN Messenger? and put really mysterious song lyrics as my away message? I absolutely did. Did I message people on ICQ and go into some chat rooms when the internet was a little sketchy? I 100% did. But I also had a landline phone in my room, and I got it. I remember getting a landline phone in my room when I was in sixth grade, and my mom got me business cards. And the business cards, it was a white business card with blue font, and the business card said Quentin McCree. 993-1127. That was my phone number to my own landline. It was a green telephone with a cord on it, and I had it in my room. So I'm analog and digital, so I'm old, and I don't know my social media handles. I truly don't. I don't even know if I know my cell phone number, but thanks for listening to the show. I will catch you. Buddy, hopefully I'll catch you tomorrow before Game 7. And until then, man, thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you guys next time. Right on. Take care.